0: You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Koop. Last week we talked about how many were here last week? You caught the service last week? a good number of you. If you missed last week, you really should go back and get the podcast for it because today's message really ties into what we talked about last week. I'm just going to summarize it for you really quick. Last week, we talked about packing life. If you're in a gang, you pack heat. If you're in the mafia, you pack heat. That's a gun. You pack that. But if you're a believer, we pack life. This past week, Cheryl and I had to go through a lot of different airports who were traveling, and our plans got changed. We went back to Saskatoon, not really Saskatoon. We landed there. We went to Laird, Saskatchewan for Cheryl's grandmother's going away party, funeral, and uh, she was 101 years of age, lived a great life, and it was, it was good. It was good to be there and to celebrate her life. And, and all the traveling, though, we went through a lot of different airports, and you know what the deal is. You take off your shoes, you take off your belt, you take off put, uh, uh, take out your your laptop, and you get scanned. And uh, if, you, if they detect a little bit of metal on you, then they have to, you know, check that out. But uh, uh, if you pack heat, it would be a problem. But if you pack alive... <laughs> We went through all those scanners and nobody had a problem with it because you couldn't take life anywhere you go. Jesus came to give life, right? In John, it says that I've come to give you life and to come to give you life more abundantly. So doesn't it make sense if God is the giver of life, if Jesus came to give life, if we have his DNA, if his spirit is in us, then wherever we go, we should bring life. So if I go to the restaurant, I want to bring life. If i for go up the elevator, I'm thinking, I'm going to bring life. If I go to my house, I'm going to my home, I want to bring life. If I'm going to work, I'm packing life. Wherever I go, I just bring life. If you take all the great leadership principles and you distill it down to the lowest common denominator, you could summarize it this way, bring life. Going to a board meeting, I'm going to bring life. Going to a family meeting, I'm going to bring life. Wherever I go, I'll bring life. Jesus brought life, I'll bring his life. So that's what we talked about last week in summary. Today what we want to talk about is how do we get the life in us and that there's a continual flow. Because you can't export something that you don't have. If you have it, you can give it away. But if you don't have it, it's going to be very difficult to give life. And as you know, sometimes people kind of suck the life out of you and you have to keep this thing flowing and being recharged. So today is how do I keep the life flowing on the inside of me? if you have your notes, let's go to John chapter 15, verse 5 and 7, where we read, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. If you abide in me, and there's a big word, if, right? That means you can choose to abide or you could choose not to abide. But here's that word, if you abide in me, and then this point is important, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So asking what you desire being done for you is conditional on if you abide in me and you abide in my word. So to remain in him, to abide in Jesus means to abide in his words, to abide in his words, to remain in his words, to think about his words. It's about his word. It's about the word. If you're in the Word, you're going to be in life. If you're in that life, it's going to overflow out of you, and wherever you go, you're going to pack life. It's going to spill out of you, and it's going to affect the people around you. So let me summarize this foundation again for the message. Number one, Jesus is the Word. Would you say that with me? Jesus is the Word. Look at John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 4 in your notes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 14, we don't have it here. It says, and the Word became flesh. We know the Word is Jesus. He dwelt with us. We beheld his glory from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. This is the Word. So, we've got to nail this down. This is kind of a pillar for the message. If we don't get this, the rest won't make sense. Jesus is the Word. When you meditate on his Word, when you're thinking about his Word you're thinking about life, life is being downloaded into your spirit. You know, you download things onto your computer, you sync things, you download it. Well, when you meditate on His Word, you're downloading life into your spirit. And as you download it into you, it'll overflow to other people. Number two, Jesus' Word is life. John 6, 63, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. His words are life. Now, you read the Vancouver Sun, good words, but they're not life. You could read Reader's Digest. You could read National Geographic. You could read whatever you want to read. But Jesus said, my words are different. They're spirit and life. They're containers. They hold my spirit, my words. And then thirdly, when we meditate on the Word, Life spills out of us. John chapter 7, 38 says, Rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes in me this way, just as the Scripture says. So as we meditate on His Word, life spills out. We pack life. We give away life if, there's that big word, if we are abiding in the Word, if we're abiding in Him. If we don't do that, then that, we're not able to pack life because we don't have anything to give away. We're going to go to Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 in the Old Testament. It's there in your notes and uh or if you've scanned it, it'll be come up under the QR code. But let's read this verse out loud together. And it's just good to hear it read. And it'll help resonate in our spirits. So let's read this together. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe and do according to all that's written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success." So we're going to focus on meditating, how to meditate. We're, we're created. We have a desire to meditate. We have a hunger to meditate. And uh, actually, it happens more naturally than we might think it does. Have you ever had a song go through your head that you can't get it out of your head? It just kind of keeps going through your mind over and over again? Every time I go to Disneyland, that happens. And Because uh, my wife, her favorite, I guess it's a ride, is It's a Small World After All. And I just kind of brace myself. I like to do that ride at the end of the day so that it doesn't go through my mind the whole day. Because when I go through that ride, I don't know if it's like you, but it, for me it's like, It's a small world after all. It's a small... That song just keeps going through my mind day and night. I got, It's a small world after all going through my, my head. So we, we, can, we can think about something day and night. Our society, Canada, is, has a great desire to meditate we, we have a hunger. We have a spiritual hunger, more so perhaps than we talk about or recognize, but there's a spiritual hunger in our country. One of the ways we know this is the great increase in people that practice yoga in our country. I read a recent stat that uh, a 2005 study found that 5.5% of Canadian adults or 1.4 million people practice yoga. It was an increase of 15% from the prior year and up 45% from 2003. And most are in the age group of 18 to 34, which is a lot of our demographics in our church. And uh, in that age group, it was increasing at over 25% every year. More women than men, but there was a great hunger. And part of yoga, a big part of yoga is meditating. I understand there's different levels to it. But a lot of times people don't understand what exactly is it. I want to look at it from the perspective this morning of just the fact that there is a great hunger to meditate because it's actually a spiritual exercise. If you just looked it up in Wikipedia, here's what it says about yoga. The goal of yoga or the person practicing yoga is the attainment of a state, of perfect spiritual insight and tranquility while meditating on the Hindu concept of divinity. If you go to the ABCs of yoga, you'll read the mantras that you say in yoga You say a certain word, uh, different stages of it, but this is the practice. The mantras aid in the process of conceptualizing and visualizing. These direct the person as a representation of the deity until the constant recitation gives rise to the actual form of the deity. There are various mantras, so it will be recommended that you ask the guidance of a guru. Through constant practice and repetition, you'll eventually discover which mantra is comfortable to use in your spiritual journey. So, it's a spiritual exercise. And when you meditate on that, and when you say that over and over again, you are referring to a deity. And when you're in trouble, when you're in crisis, you want to call upon a deity. I want to call upon Jesus of Nazareth. I want to call upon a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know I'm going to get some emails on this because it's very popular across the country, yoga. But as your pastor, I need to talk to you. Because you you need to know what it is. It's very easy just to get caught up because every hotel, everywhere you go, and I understand there's different levels of it. My caution to you today, and I'm not disrespecting another religion, but it is Hinduism on the light form. And you just need to know that. Because when you go to pray and you say, God, where are you? You want to be meditating on a biblical form of meditation. And as this increases, you just need to be aware. I think you you need to have it honest perspective of what's going on. When you meditate, you want to do it scripturally if you want the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be there when you have to face hard times. So, I love you enough to tell you this is what's going on, all right? And again, we're, I, I'm just trying to clarify that Where we respect other religions, but you need to know what it is. There's a biblical form of meditation, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, how how do I how do I meditate like God told Joshua to meditate? What does that look like? Unlike other religions, particularly Eastern religions, the biblical form of meditation is not to disengage the mind, but to engage the mind. Not to empty your mind, but to fill your mind with God's word. And not to focus on one thing or a mantra, but to focus specifically on God's Word. So I guess as a Christian, I I just want to know, well, how do I meditate as a believer? Because when I go back to this verse in Joshua, and let's go back to that verse in Joshua, just look at it again. If we meditate day and night, and we do, meditation leads to obedience. And if I meditate and I do the Word of God, what's going to be the result? Here's the result. You'll make your way prosperous number one. Number two, you will deal wisely. Number three, you'll have good success. I think if we did a show of hands today, we would all say, yeah, I would like to prosper. I would like to deal wisely in my affairs, and I would like to have good success. A lot of times what we put in for a prayer request, and we, we welcome prayer requests every week, but a lot of things that we're praying for, the answers to that, I'm going to step on some toes here this morning, so just bear with me. You can just say, ouch or on me. But a lot of times, as believers, we look for a shortcut, quickly pray for me, but we don't take the time to do what God told Joshua to do, and that is to meditate on God's Word. And meditation takes some effort. It takes some work. It is a spiritual exercise. And again, there's different types of meditation. I'm talking clearly about biblical Christian meditation that as believers, we should practice daily if we want to prosper, deal wisely, have good success. You say, well, I don't know if I could meditate day and night. That, That sounds like a tall order from God that he's given Joshua. Okay, let me ask you a real simple question. Can you worry day and night? Can you worry day and night? Yeah. What does worry mean? Worry means you engage your mind on the troubles or the anxieties of your life. So if you can worry day and night, guess what? You can meditate day and night. You just flip it around. Yeah. Isn't that easy? I just flip it around. Instead of engaging my mind on my troubles all the time, I'm going to engage my mind on what God says about the situation. Then it will lead to wisdom, prospering, good success. Okay, let's go through a couple of simple points about how to meditate in God's Word. And uh, this is really, again, basic, but I think sometimes as Christians we miss the basics and we need to even go back. If you're a mature Christian, you maybe know this, but then just count it today as a review. I don't know about you, but I like free Wi-Fi. Uh, when, I, when I'm traveling, I go to the airport. I'm going, okay, accept. Yep, uh, I'll get that free Wi-Fi here. Or if I go into a restaurant, I first say, you know, can I? What's the code for your free Wi-Fi? And uh, I'm always into the free Wi-Fi, so I don't have to use up my data plan, right? And uh, and then you'll you'll get your th- your your four bars on the top, or three bars, and you go, oh, great, I got good connection. And then you know you. You Go to another place and you you sit down. And you go to send an email or you want to download something. You go, oh man, I'm losing my connection. Has that ever happened to you? You lose your connection. Are you just ready to send that email or you're just ready to download it? And, you, ah. and so what do you do? Then you have to walk around. And say, okay, oh wait a wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, I got enough bandwidth there. Okay, okay I can send it now. The Wi-Fi didn't move. I had to move. The closer I moved to the source, then I was connected. And it's our responsibility to move closer to God. He's, he's moved. He's done. I mean, he's, everything has been done. Jesus said, it is finished on the cross. So the work is done. We need to move closer. As we move towards him, we'll find this connection strong. So meditating is really moving closer into God, and we do that continuously. So practical steps to meditation. Fasten your seatbelts. Hold on. Here we go. Number one, set time aside. Remove the distractions. There needs to be a time in our day where we take a moment or two and we meditate on God's Word. And I'm into devotionals. I like devotionals, but it has to have God's Word in it, okay? It can't just be a warm, fuzzy thought. That's nice. And again, this is really practical, folks, but make sure it has God's Word in it. You want Because Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. So it has to be His Word, meditating on His Word, and you want to be still, Psalm 46, 10, and know that I'm God. So it means get the distractions away, a place where you can meditate. And what we found, and I'm sure you found it too, that during the day, you'll meditate maybe on the proverb of the day or another verse. Haven't you found that then during the day also you go, wow, I just was thinking about that today in my devotions, and that's a perfect verse for what I'm going through right now. Has anybody else discovered that? It's like, yes, that's it. What timely advice God gave me. And then Psalm 143.5 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. Look at this word here. I muse on the works of your hands. I don't use that word a lot, muse. But I use another word a lot, amuse. Muse means to engage, to think, to meditate. But amuse means to disengage the mind. We live in a culture that it's all about amusement. We have amusement parks. We go to the movies to be amused. We play video games to be amused. We read to be amused. Why? Because we want to disengage our mind. Is that wrong? No, but you want to do that in small portions. Nothing wrong with going to the amusement park. There's nothing wrong with watching a movie, some great popcorn. There's nothing wrong with reading a good book. There's nothing wrong with playing a video game per se, depending on what kind it is. But <laughs> got to be careful. Oh, the pastor said I could, I could play video games. Well, you just make sure it's a good video game. All right? So, amusement. We have a world that wants to be amused. But God's saying here, i muse. So God's instructing us to muse on his word. So I think we want to take time to meditate on His Word, His principles. Not live for amusement, but live to meditate on His Word. When we do that, we'll pack life. Then life will overflow from us. Is that making sense? Okay, number two, contemplate the context of the verse. So when we read these uh, verses, we want to read what's in front of it what's around it because you can cherry pick a scripture out and build almost any kind of case you want so you want to read it in context when you meditate so read the verses above it read the verses below it and it's kind of like mining you you just go digging in god's word there's so many great nuggets in his word and that the key verse that you're zeroing in on is kind of like a hamburger i really like hamburgers um And matter of fact, uh, at the earlier service I was sharing, we went to the the Tomahawk the other day. Anybody been to the Tomahawk on the North Shore? Everybody's smiling. He's got their hands up because the Tomahawk has been there since 1926, and uh, the way way I found about it, it was featured on drive Diners, and Dives. And if I want to amuse myself, I like watching that show about cooking. So I was watching that, and they had featured that restaurant. I said to the show, we got to go check it out. And they had supposedly some of the best hamburgers in the city. So I said the last service, I said, you know, if you guys know a good hamburger spot, you can text me that kind of information. And uh, I think I, I got a text at the last service. Uh, did I get one? Yes. Yes. Uh, Fresh pressed burgers at Local, served on a house-made, fresh-baked bun, came from Kent Strom, who manages that restaurant. So there you go. <laughs> he texts me in the service. A little plug for Local over at Kids. But I like I like hamburgers and meditating on scriptures is like hamburgers. And uh, here's here's the analogy. So bear with me. The hamburger meat in the middle. That's kind of and. I'm, Forgive me, vegetarians. I'm just going to use this for a little while. Uh, the, the meat is the, the kind of the, nut, the, the, the essence of the verse. And then around that hamburger patty, you've got lettuce and pickles and onions and cheese all on a sesame seed bun, right? So you've got this wonderful hamburger. And again, that the verse is the hamburger, but the context is everything around it that makes the hamburger great. Just a hamburger patty by itself is mm, not so good, but when you get the relish, the mayo—yes, the mayo—and and and and, uh, and the, the and a little bit of even a little bit of bacon helps. You know, you just yeah, this. And that's the way God's word should be to us, right? He said, "My word is." food. It's life for you. But we want to read it in the context. So that's the second point. Number three, and we need to keep going here. Number three, reflect on the verse word by word. Sometimes it's good just to read an entire chapter or an entire book. You could pick up the word, for example, and read the whole book of Esther in one sitting, and it's a really good read. But it's also good to take it verse by verse, and you just literally take it word by word, and you stop, and you think about it, you meditate on it. Meditate means to ponder. In the biblical sense, it means to mutter in the Hebrew it means to, you actually mouth it, you, you speak it. That's why it says, don't let this word depart from your, it doesn't say from your brain in Joshua 1.8, it says don't let the word depart out of your mouth. Because in the Hebrew sense, you would mutter it, you would speak it, you would say it under your breath, you would, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you meditate, you, 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 the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you just take it word by word. The Lord, which Lord? Jesus is my Lord. I will meditate on him. It is his spirit that I want. It is, I'm on a spiritual journey with Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the alpha and the omega, the same yesterday, today and forever, the one who conquered death. Jesus, my Lord, the Lord is... That little word is not past tense. The Lord was my shepherd. That was like uh, my last try today. Somebody, no, no. The Lord is today, present tense. The Lord is my shepherd. Never leaves me, never forsakes me. This is meditating on his word. The Lord is my shepherd. Didn't say the Lord is a shepherd, one of many. Didn't say the Lord is the shepherd, rather impersonal. Didn't say the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord says, my shepherd. The Lord is David Coop's shepherd. Wow. The Lord's my shepherd. Very personal. And the Lord is my shepherd. It didn't say the Lord is my boss. The Lord's my shepherd. Caring, loving, protective. On with me. Wherever I'm going, he's there. The Lord's my shepherd. The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. Wow. I shall not want. That doesn't, you know, we, we want more than money. We want more than prestige. That's really not what we want. You really don't want more money. What really we want is protection, acceptance, to be loved. And this is what our shepherd brings to us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's meditating on the verse. We just took it word by word, and we went through it. There's some amazing nuggets in God's Word. Boy, I wish we had time to talk more about it. All I'm trying to do is encourage and weigh your appetite to meditate on God's Word. Let me give you Genesis chapter 5. I'm going to put a a slide up on the screen. And this is Genesis chapter 5. It would look like a boring chapter because it's genealogy. But I want to show you this morning that even in the genealogy, if you dig a little bit, word by word, you're going to find it so rich. In G- Genesis chapter 5, it lists the genealogy from Adam all the way to Noah, and it tells how long they lived. And if you take that chapter. And if you would just look up, and anybody could do this uh, today. It's so easy. You can do it on an application off your iPhone. You can look up what these names mean in the Hebrew. So Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enosh means subject to death. Canaan means sorrowful. Mahalel means from the presence of God. Jared means one comes down. Enoch means dedicated. Methuselah means dying. He shall send. When he died, the flood came. That's what his name meant. Lamech means to the poor and lowly. Noah means comfort and rest. So let's just read the meaning of their names. Man, appointed, subject to death, sorrowful. From the presence of God, one comes down, dedicated, dying. He shall send to the poor and lowly comfort and rest. Who who might that be talking about? In Genesis chapter 5, may this be a prophetic picture of Jesus of Nazareth who came for the dying and the hurting, who came for us? I think so. But we just took it verse by verse, and we dug out the rich meaning of the Scripture, meditating on God's Word. Powerful way to refuel the life inside of us. All right, number... Number four, read it in different translations. Check out other trusted sources. Today, it's so easy to go online and you can get it in the Message Bible. You can get it in the New Living Testament. You can get it in the NIV, New King James, Old King James. You can get it in all kinds of different translations. And when you meditate on a verse, and this is a really important step, you just say, okay, I read... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, in New King James. So let me just scroll over and check it in NIV. Check it in the Message Bible. And when you do that, you kind of see that verse from different perspectives, and it gives you a better understanding of what it means. That's how we practically meditate on the Word. And then check out other trusted sources. And this, too, is important because sometimes when we're meditating on the Scriptures, we like, oh, I wonder if it means this. And we, we kind of have our interpretation of it. I encourage people go back and read trusted sources go to some really good commentaries and you can look that up online just okay what's their interpretation of it and that keeps you from going off on some flaky idea so you just check other trusted sources as you meditate on it Uh, number five take that same verse and then maybe journal it and put it into practical personal everyday language So again, we're going step by step. How do I practically meditate on God's word? What's the result again? The result is prosper, wise decisions, good success. Something happens. We download life when we go through this process. So if I would take again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If I personalize it, it may read like this. The Lord takes personal care of me as a sheep it's going to be okay. He'll make sure I'm not in want. And you may do it a different way. I'm not, I'm just giving my own personal paraphrase, not publishing it or anything. I'm just in my journal, I'm, I'm writing it out and making sure that I can apply it to my life. Number six, we pray the verse back to God. Meditation is, is different from Bible reading. Bible reading is a one-way street where meditation is a two-way street, because it's not just me reading the Bible, it's God also speaking to me. And the Word comes alive as we meditate on it, as we think about it, as we ponder it, as we mutter it, as we imagine it, it comes alive, and God begins to speak to us through His Word. You know, God loves to be pursued. Sometimes we have to coach guys on how to get a wife, and uh, for I mean, it was a discovery for me, so I know it was a discovery for other guys. that Sometimes they, women like to be pursued. They, they, like to have, they like to have somebody send them flowers or, or win them and, uh, and be there for them and give them a text in the middle of the day and, and uh, take them on a date and call them up. Even after the marriage, they still like that, guys. Because the way you win them is the way you keep them. And so you keep doing that. It's not over after you get married, guys. Just a little hint for you. You know, like, oh, yeah, I did that. Now I'm married. It's over. No, you, we keep doing that. Otherwise, you deceived her. So you, you keep on whatever you did to win her. You keep doing that. Some of you guys had an aha moment there. That, that might be the marriage tip of a lifetime right there. But enough said about that is God likes to be pursued. Not that he doesn't know all about us and all the rest of it, but God loves it when we dig into his words. God, I'm pursuing you. I'm reading in different translations. I'm hungry for your word. I'm taking time out for this. And I'm carving some time out of my day just to meditate on your word. And then during the day, I'm reflecting on it. I'm going back. I'm thinking about it. uh, Riding the SkyTrain or in my work, I'm just reflecting on it again. Uh, so we pray it back. In our prayers, we say, God, I'm reminding you of what you said. You said in your word that you'd never leave or forsake us. You'd be with us always, even to the end of the age. God, right now I'm going into a really tough business meeting. God, I'm taking a trip right now. I'm going to go do a funeral this past week when I was asked to speak at my wife's grandmother's funeral. I was like, hey, God, I need you. This is a different dynamics here. There's there's some different factors here, and uh, God, you said in your word that you'd never leave me. I didn't have the time to prepare that I'd like to, so I'm praying God's word. I'm thinking about what he said, and I'm putting in remembrance our Lord of what he had said to us. So that helps us as we meditate. Then number seven, lastly, we talk about what we've learned. Psalm seventy-seven twelve, where it says, I will also meditate on all your work, and I will talk of your deeds. As you share it with others, it reinforces what you've learned. And as you share it, God also gives you more insight. And so, you, I mean, you don't share the guy on the Skytrain sitting beside you. Oh, guess what? I was just reading this verse here. It's really cool. He's going to go, yeah, so what? But a friend or somebody in your life group, whatever, that you share with them and say, hey, here's some, here's some insight that I received. Cheryl and I love to do this. Cheryl will be meditating on a scripture and say, Dave, this is what God showed me in the Word today. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about it. And, or I'll do the same thing with her. Actually, she, if I will stand up and preach on something that really has been a good insight, and it's like, Dave, uh, share that with me before you preach. She's like, come on, let's talk about this. Because uh, we just love growing in God together. And so we, we learn more as we share with each other. So those are seven practical steps on how to meditate on God's Word. And as as believers, that's what we're called to do. We're called to meditate on His Word. And again, the result is, and he's speaking to Joshua. Joshua's got a lot of challenges, perhaps more challenges than any of us here in the room today. He's got three million people. Moses died, big shoes to fill, and he's got to lead them into the promised land. He's got incredible challenges. And God's answer to him for the incredible challenges that he had was, Meditate on my Word and do what it says it's going to be okay. And I think that's God's word for us today. Going back to the very beginning, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And today, Jesus is here to give life. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.